since brevity is the soul of wit. More of your conversation would infect my brain. Romeo, wherefore art thou, Romeo? To speak of him as my kinsman, he's a most notable coward, an infinite and endless liar, an hourly promise breaker, the owner of no one good quality worthy your lordship's entertained. I'd beat thee, but I should infect my hand. The lady doth protest too much, methinks. The course of true love never did run smooth. I'm Aiden. I'm Lindsay. And we are the Bix. And today we are here to discuss the big one. Well, one, one of the, of big, the big ones. ones. But Othello. Jinx, by the way. Uh, yes, Othello. One of the uh, big tragedies, the big name comedies, yep. not the comedies at all. Comedies. The big name tragedies, the big names. <laughs> if in you're laughing at Othello, yeah, you got some you've issues. got some issues. Yeah, definitely. Um, and it is one of the, uh, it's withstood the test time, one of the more popular plays. One of the ones that's taught in schools pretty yep. much universally in English speaking countries. Yep. Um, and constantly in production pretty much the, the I whole think, pretty much length and breadth. The yeah. Time. I, yeah. I mean, we, we looked into more of the more modern performance history uh because it touches on a few more of the topics that we want to discuss but yeah it's it's been a popular play throughout um it has some very kind of universal themes about otherness and uh you know social standing jealousy jealousy yeah is is definitely the biggest one i think if you just asked someone what's othello about one sentence you're gonna get jealousy (laughs) for sure so um with that in mind, Lindsay, when, when did you first read Othello? At uh, the university. It was at university? Yeah, okay, I didn't I, study it in, in high, high school. High school. No, neither did I. No. Um, but I know people who have. Yes. Maybe the, in the IB program or something. Yes, that was, I think it was in grade 11 IB. Uh, a couple of my friends were like, oh yeah, I'm yeah. doing Othello. And I'm like, yeah, well, I'm doing Macbeth. So, you know, <laughs> whatever. But it was, uh, I, I read it, I think, either that summer or the summer after grade 12, before yeah. we'd gone to university. Uh, and that it was very uneducated my reading because i was just reading the text didn't watch it in performance didn't know anything about yes. it there were no even like uh footnotes yes. in my production you're just so. like i'm so smart i, I didn't understand I everything t- yeah every third word <laughs> had no idea um and there's quite some complicated language in this one anyways but yeah uh so that's our kind of history with it we did read it in university um and just for the record on this one we decided to watch the most recent production which yes. is not a shakespeare language one at all it is O from 2001 with mckay pfeiffer as and julia styles in Stiles. in her third outing as a shakespearean heroine yeah or yeah. female lead yeah. anyway yeah she was in it all she, yeah she was she in them really, all she julia styles was in everything in the late 90s early 2000s yeah. so yeah that was uh uh, I, I enjoyed the the film production that we watched. Yeah, but I thought it was pretty good too. We'll get to it, get we to will. it later. I yeah. think there's there's a lot there. But before we do any of that, yes, Lindsay, it's your turn. Thirty right. seconds, Othello, the whole play, <laughs> not just the first scene. Well, I'm not you. Yeah, you're no, the you one who only does problem. the first scene. Um, so just let me know when you're ready. Lindsay, go for it. Ready, set, go. So in Venice, we have a captain named Othello who has spurned one of his lieutenants passed him over for promotion this lieutenant decides to get back at Othello by turning him and his wife against one another in a uh, well at least turn him against his wife in a complicated web of infidelity fake infidelity Um, and then there's also a subplot with another guy who wants to sleep with Desdemona and he's trying to help him achieve that but not really Iago basically is just the big bad the big baddie is is that one um yeah yeah 
Yeah. Okay. No, that's that's pretty good. I mean, it's not a it's not a difficult play. <laughs> no. Really. To summarize, yeah, when Iago you, you fucks everyone over. It like, down. it's really quite simple. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's 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 one of those plays that. Uh, there's a lot of intricacy in in the way the plots kind of move, but that is basically the gist of it. It's just Iago is this evil mastermind pulling all these strings yep. in order to hurt Othello mm. and everyone who cares for Othello and everyone who Othello cares for. Yeah. Um, and he does it very successfully. Yeah. And for almost no really good reason yeah. as well, which yeah. makes Iago, as I said, the big bad. He's kind of the quintessential villain. He's like Aaron the Moor from... Titus Andronicus, yes, like amped up to eleven. It's like the yeah. the the Shakespeare grew up and decided I'm going to take this character and, and just make him worse. And and it's one of those uh, characters and situations where uh, you because you don't get a really solid explanation, you get multiple uh, sometimes kind of contradictory yeah. reasoning behind why he wants to hurt Othello so bad. Yeah. It kind of creates this dynamic villain where you have no idea what his actual motivations yeah, are. Yeah, he's it's it's psychopathic. Yeah. He's literally yeah. just or sociopathic. He's just doing it because he wants to and can. Yeah. It's just evil for this for evil's sake. And that, that's one of the interesting things about the the film kind of plays with that into uh, its detriment I think a little bit. Um but yeah, we'll we'll, we'll get there. Uh so some really simple history about the play. Uh, it was initially published in 1622 as a Um and it was basically just missing a few passages, which were then fixed in the folio. Um, I think that was it. Maybe it was the other way around. But it's basically the, a very identical play. There's just a few more lines in one of them. Um, and it, yeah, folio in 1623, as with everything else. And that's basically the the version that uh, is used throughout uh, most productions these days. And it's not an original story. No, of course not. It was based on the Italian uh, writer Cynthia's tale, Un Capitano Moro, Mm -hmm. the Moorish captain, or a Moorish captain, um, and may also have been based on um, an actual incident, Cynthia's tale, um, but it also resembles a tale from 1001 Arabian Nights, um, or 1001 Nights, the Arabian Nights story. Yeah. so, I mean, there's, yeah, I guess some confliction. Confliction? Confliction. That's that a new a word? word, Lindsay. You've invented confliction. It's conflicting. The, the origins <laughs> of this play are conflicting. Well, it's it's one of Shakespeare's uh, handiest tricks of the trade is to take a bunch of different source material and weave it into a story that he wants to tell. And and, and he, does, he does he does interesting things with it, like creating whole, whole cloth, the character of Brabantio mm-hmm. or Brabantio, and uh, Rodrigo is completely created. Um, so, I mean, that's another thing that Shakespeare does really well is, is adding these subplots that kind of flesh out, like without the Rodrigo, um, uh, in love with Desdemona, trying to get with her, giving all of his money to Iago in order, you know, even though Iago has no real need for him. Well, or, or (laughs) is, is not going to help him really in the end, um, that, that does so much to heighten the the evil of Iago like that really all of the things that that Shakespeare seems to add to the play from the original source sorry that he adds to the play that isn't in the original source is in service of creating this super villain yeah right which is kind of interesting because Othello is a named play it's a tragedy the uh, Othello is ostensibly the main character but you read it Iago is in pretty much every scene 
it's a big role. It is a big role. And so he almost is the actual main character. This could have been the, I don't know, the not the tragedy of Iago. Of the Iago evil scheming of Iago, his, exactly. The, yeah, the downfall of everyone who's good. <laughs> you know, then, yeah. yeah. You, could, right? you could do it that way for sure. Um, and it, that's kind of interesting because it, it is true. I mean, it is... Uh, when we talked about the O oh, 2001 film, yeah. uh, you know, it really does focus on uh, what's his nuts. Josh Hartnett. Josh Hartnett. Josh Hartnett. As Pardon the me. Iago type character. Um, and a bunch of big name actors have played uh, Iago. But I think it's worth mentioning uh, Othello himself is a very sought after role. Yes. I think there's a lot of big name actors have played him and wanted to play him. Um there, you know, there's really big names like Olivier did it in 64 with Maggie Smith as Desdemona, Ooh. which is really cool. Uh, Anthony Hopkins did the BBC production that we didn't watch because it's three and a half hours. And yes, of course, super faithful. Anybody got time for that That's in right. this pandemic? <laughs> That's all you have is That's time. That's all we have is time. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then Patrick Stewart did it. I remember we read about this yes. in university. And I think I saw a photo of it's him as uh, Othello. And then the rest of the cast is yes. black. And I think Lawrence Fishburne actually played Iago. Really? In that version. I For some reason, I have it in my head of the two of them on stage in a picture together. But Maybe. Maybe I, I, maybe I should have looked that one up before. I'm, I might be inventing that one. Yeah. But that was that was a reverse cast, uh, reverse race cast uh, production. Which is important to note because for much of the play's history, white actors have played Othello. Yes. In well, I just listed three very... Yes. Well, yeah, exactly. And, yeah. and that's... So that's the thing. Like... Um, when that f- obviously, for good reason, fell out of uh, vogue, fashion <laughs> vogue. became <laughs> morally <laughs> reprehensible. Uh, well, um, yeah. it's now. I mean, you get black actors playing Othello, but I don't. I, I actually don't know about production history going back to the 17th century. Would they have these characters in blackface? Yeah, I- would it have mattered as much? They weren't going for authenticity on Shakespeare's day. I don't know about in. Um, yeah, like Garrick's uh, Day yeah, or yeah, anything like yeah. that. If if playing Othello meant you had to go, you know, rub makeup on your face. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it certainly, I I I can't put my finger on why I bristle so much at a reverse race casting of the play. Um, it just feels like this is I I don't know I don't know maybe I'm I'm overthinking this. No, no, I think that's I think it's fair. I think there's there's. I don't want Iago it, to be a black guy and a bad guy. I think that's part of it. <laughs> well, okay. and I don't think that's, you need that's really simple. It, it really is, but I bad guys too. But no, I know, but <laughs> I just like. But Othello's not a great guy either. So well, I mean, yeah, if you're I clamoring mean, to play Othello as a black actor, I mean, there's he's a problematic character. So, I mean, you can't be morally pure all the time. Yeah, I, I don't think it has much of anything to do with moral purity. I think it's no. just it's it is a it is a depiction of an outsider in this white society yes. trying yes. to re- reverse that and and just not change the language, not change anything else about the play, yeah. and have it be a white person and a black person as in society. As a white is, person as an outsider in society in a, in a black society. In a black society. Well, yeah. Well, we'll get to the blackness yes. of this later on because more doesn't necessarily mean black, but yes, but yeah, that is true. kind of how it's understood. And so I think doing that just kind of like. It, it negates the 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 reality of 
Othello as an individual character in this white society. If you just switch it, it doesn't. It, it's not representative of what it would be to be a white person in a black world. No, um, because again, there's no colonialism. There's no. There's none of these other right, ties exactly. and, and things that complicate and, that and structure that Othello does work. With. All the privilege that comes with being a white person, you would have to completely reimagine the world in which this play exists in order to have a white person be. Yeah. I mean, and, disadvantaged in the well, way that that Othello yes. is. And I mean, like the there, there's I mean, in Shakespeare's time, you know, colonialism wasn't quite the uh, power, although in it, the Americas, it, it definitely coming, was. Yes. Yeah, but it was and it was coming. Right. And there was still the, the Atlantic slave trade and everything. So, yes. I mean, it was still all there. Um, but yeah, to, to just kind of switch a on it, it does feel just a, just awkward and, and feels like you're missing out on a, uh, a, a reverse gender production yes. might be an interesting one which I, th- I did read quickly there was a couple of those have been done uh yeah. for this yeah. so it and it is interesting because gender is a huge component of this definitely i mean well. we can talk about that when we get to the characters of desdemona and amelia the the two only female characters that yeah. are mentioned or have well speaking and roles. uh what's his name uh cassio's girlfriend oh she yeah. shows up as well yeah blanche bianca bianca Blanche, Blanche. Blanche. You know, same whatever. thing. Yeah. yeah now I'm picturing enough. Blanche Devereaux in that role. Now that would be awesome. Different play. Um, anyway. No, no. Well, and and just before we move on too yeah. far from the the race thing, because it was um, in in the casting of Othello, uh, it's worth noting it wasn't there wasn't an accurate quote unquote uh, race casting of Othello until in the United States at least until 1943. Uh, yes. Paul Robeson played uh, Othello in one of the longest lasting Broadway Shakespeare yes. productions ever. Yes, um, and that was the first time. And uh, he came back in the 50s, I think, and did it later on yeah. as well. We've mentioned Robeson before on on the yeah. podcast. We couldn't remember which podcast episode it was. Yeah, we, I think it was maybe it was on Shakespeare on Screen, or, Shakespeare on screen. or something like that. Because he was he was in a filmed version of Othello from the 50s. 50s, yes, I yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, hugely popular role, but also controversial because this of is 1943 course. and it's Jim Crow. Yeah. And even though it's Broadway, it's still, you know, it was very controversial, yeah. but it, it, yeah, it did very well again. Um, and now to this day, I mean, you have a string of, of, you know, like you said, Lawrence Fishburne playing Mackay Pfeiffer in, in nine, er, 2001. Yep. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's, uh. It's, yeah. it's definitely one of those sought-after roles, and as the only role that is of a named character who's the title character, yes. not Aaron the Moore, yes. as, you yeah. know, yeah. Or, or whatever, um, who is uh, meant to be black, yeah. I think it, that elevates the status of this role for black actors in, in a, a canon that is really devoid of... Well, yeah. Any named... You can do it, but it's not like it's built into the play. Exactly, itself, right? yeah. yeah. Now, you mentioned something interesting about the idea of the Moor not being necessarily coded as black. Yeah, so the the term itself, it, as used in Shakespeare's time, uh, originally was meant to just describe Muslim people, mm-hmm. uh, primarily uh, what we would now call uh, Arabs and uh, people from the Maghreb, so like North Africa yeah. and through like the, the Arab-speaking world that we understand now. They, those were the Moors. Yeah. And they're not necessarily the darkest-skinned people that we, we understand now today. We might not even call them black in a lot of cases. Right. Um, but that's, that's the kind of connotation that was with uh shakespeare as he was writing this okay the fact that they were darker than you know waspy uh englishmen is not surprising you know uh so they might have viewed them as as so dark and, course, and mysterious yeah. and other um and i mean there is you can definitely still view them as black the the islamic world was much wider uh and more diverse color wise than than the rest of it. you had turks in uh yeah 
Turkey and what's now Turkey in the Ottoman Empire. You had all the uh, way through Spain and the Andalusian yeah, region. Exactly, all through Northern Africa and down into uh, Western Africa and yeah. uh, Eastern Africa as well. So, like, there was a very large uh, grouping by this term, more. Um, so that that gives you a lot of flexibility in terms of how it's uh, how you can cast and, and do this thing authentically. Yeah. Um, but within the play. The, the term black is what they use to describe the more most often. Uh, yeah. So that's kind of how we as a society have kind of understood Othello to be, you know, the black character. In Do you suppose canon. that um, there was an understanding that more meant Muslim then? Like, is that, are we meant to read that it, it's not necessarily just, I mean, there are lots of references within the play to uh, the famous line, the black ram tupping your white ear, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, th- so clearly color plays a role in this, but um, is there more to that? Is it more, do you think, yeah, he's I, a Muslim well, who's and, coming into this Christian, Italian Christian nation? And yeah, taking- I mean, my, my understanding when I read the introduction to it years ago, back in 2002, probably, yeah. uh, was that uh, the understanding was he would have converted. He was oh, a converted okay. uh, Muslim. Yeah, yeah, he'd become Christian. And that's okay. why he, he's talking about the same God and, and same. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have this shared cultural understanding right. within this realm. Right. Okay. But yes, he would have been born Muslim, which right. was kind of the understanding. So that, yeah, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. So that's that's kind of how... I always understood it. Um, someone out there might be you know a bit more about the history of the term or whatever. So do share with us. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of uh, at a high level the structure around the play and and the kind of history and and what have you in the play. So now we can get into talking about the play itself. Yeah, we got some uh, listed off some four big themes kind of that uh, that weave throughout the play. And the first one we want to talk about is truth and falsehood. Um, an interesting update from Troilus and Cressida you have here is the first note. I have no idea what that means. So well, I'm going to need you to explain that. <laughs> well, I mean, Troilus and Cressida, true is Troilus, false is ah, Cressida. Right. Uh, and, you know, that that play very much played with a similar sense of uh, Cressida being this uh, inherently false woman. Right. And that that's the kind of... Uh, societal impetus that's that's weighed down on her mm. and eventually on Desdemona too is yeah. that women are inherently liars and yeah. untrustworthy well uh, women were the ones who tempted Adam exact, Eve tempted Adam to right. eat the apple yeah, right it's all the ladies fault so sure. so this is the kind of uh heritage that, that that's worked into Desdemona's yeah. character or at least all the men's interpretation of Desdemona's character yeah, because Desdemona she is absolutely pure, hundred yeah. percent pure and, and true, and doesn't even really lie to her father in, in no. the play's text. She just, you know, she fell in love with Othello, She's and like, then, it just never came up. I didn't tell yeah, you. Yeah, I, sorry. Well, how often does Dad come and say you're not in love with any, you know, Moors, are you? And she, yeah. she probably would have said yes if you'd yeah, asked him. Actually, but yeah, right. You know, you're not that involved in your daughter's life, so yeah. maybe that's part of the problem. But yeah, that that's kind of um, it's an updated iteration of that same theme yes uh from shakespeare's previous work so yeah and uh we'll talk a little bit more about that when we get to gender but it is um it's interesting that the, all the dissembling and all the lying is done by male characters in this play and well just one character. really just one but the, <laughs> but the other ones aren't i mean othello's not exactly truthful with with testimony he's trying to get stories out of yeah. her he's he's 
lying about well his... he doesn't he doesn't trust her it's, yes it's not that he's lying it's that he doesn't have the trust yeah, in her i guess but but even still i mean rodrigo is is kind of duplicitous yeah and, that's true um but Cassio... again at iago's bidding right like yeah, everything no, no, is no, totally iago yeah. is orchestrating the whole thing but it's it's a male character who is the mm-hmm. the the main liar whereas Amelia, even Amelia in her, depending on how you view Amelia's character, because you can, I, I think it's hard to play her as completely complicit entirely. Yeah. But the film that we watch does make her seem a little bit more on the edge at the beginning until she realizes what she's been used yeah, to, to accomplish. Yeah. Um, but even the, the quote unquote lies that Amelia tells are not. They're not knowing lies. They're not maliciously, I'm intending to hurt you lies. They're kind of like, uh, I'm just going to be secretive, right? It's different. Yeah. It's secretive It's like the withholding of truth, which is is also... What Desdemona does. Exactly. Like the women, yeah, Yeah. I'd I'd say more than anything are, are... If guilty of anything, it would be withholding the full 100% truth. And that, I think, is something that women get saddled with. And maybe not saddled with, but it's something that we're good at. I mean, it's all... (laughs) No, and I I don't mean that to be to denigrate my sex. But, um, you know, it was often the case that women, you know confided in one another, didn't confide in their husbands. They Mm -hmm. didn't have the kind of open relationship you would... um, you know, old wives tales and you would have your your over the fence conversations with your neighbors. The merry wives of Windsor are scheming yeah. and talking to yeah. one another, but not with their husbands. Like this is something that um, that even up to today, you know, you you see women, you know, out for walks with their strollers and they're sharing secrets that I'm sure they're not going home and confiding with their husbands. So, I mean, there's there's kind of this this it's really just connotation but, 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 of yeah. women being I, I think some people would call it gossipy, but but I think it's just there's a there's a confidence when you get with a group of women, you can share things more openly than you can with other with men or other genders. So yeah. it's Well it's and it's yeah. really understandable. When you are property, you're not gonna share yeah. everything with, with the, the, person the person who owns, owns you. you. Yeah. Like there is a sense of uh power and cohesion within a social circle that isn't yeah. dependent on men. So yeah. it's absolutely like, like that's a well documented, you For know sure. sense of and source of power. But it's interesting that the men view that or, or yeah. at least the play seems to view yes. that as uh, on the same level as Iago's <laughs> manipulation of, right? towards murder. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like Iago was going to completely well, misconstrue on purpose the everything. Everything that happens in the play is viewed through Iago's eyes and seen as horrible lies and duplicity. But yeah, uh, Desdemona and Amelia having a little tête-à-tête yeah, is, not is ta- on the same Not getting level? on the same page about the, the handkerchief, yeah. which yeah. is really all Desdemona yeah. doesn't do. She doesn't say to, to Othello, yeah, I lost that, sorry. Right. Like, she just, she lies about that. So, I mean, like... They're not the same. They're not the, the same. the play treats it as the same. I don't think the play does, because I think oh. I think Amelia's speech at the end of the play is, well, her her, law, her long back and forth before <laughs> her husband stabs her to death yeah. uh, is is very telling. It's It's... You know, she refuses to be silent. She will speak the yeah, truth. She's yeah. the one character who really can yeah. uh, until Cassio comes in. Um, if Cassio survives in, in all the final yes, versions, which it is in the text, <laughs> but most productions are, it's a little more uncertain. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so like uh, Amelia is this ultimate voice of truth ultimately that does come out and say, no, Othello, yeah, I lied to you this whole time. Yes. Uh, I stole the handkerchief. Um, Desimo's been true to you the whole time. She's never once looked at Cassio that way. It is it is a very powerful kind of 
statement on Shakespeare's part to give voice to this woman uh, mm-hmm. after Desdemona's been choked to death, literally had her voice yeah. uh, wrung from her, and and Amelia steps in to, to and add, and add that and depending voice. on the production, um, you know, she's doing that on stage or on screen. The only female character in a room full of men. Yes, you've got. Iago, you've got Othello, you've got other lieutenants and people who have come in and she's screaming at Othello that you were wrong. And he's the captain. He's like (laughs) a a military leader and she's the wife of his like standard bearer. She's nobody, literally nobody. And Iago puts her down the entire play for being a prostitute, for being a a sex worker. Um, No, that's... Bianca no no but he does say like you're giving it away that's all you're good for is giving away sex you you know I think she may be a brothel keeper or something like that we can talk about uh Iago's views on women later on totally but I'm just saying like she's she's not a stat she's not Desdemona she's an older woman she's a maid servant you know a a waiting woman um and she's taking this incredibly powerful stand at the very end of the play Mm -hmm. um and will not be silenced yeah well, until she's time. <laughs> but I mean, it's that's, it's not like Desdemona, thing. right? Yeah, yeah. And so that's that's a powerful a powerful moment. It's kind of like um, Cassandra in Trolls and Crest. Yeah, a little bit. A yeah. woman who who can Who's ultimately tell then, the truth, yeah, yeah. even though she's ignored. And Amelia doesn't do anything up until that moment. You wonder why she didn't. If she was such a good friend to Desdemona, she could have said something earlier. She could have not taken the handkerchief. Yeah. Her husband's not a good person. She seems yeah. to kind of know that, but she still goes along with it because they're married. Yeah. I don't really her, yeah, know her, her relationship. Motives. Yeah, her relationship with uh, Iago is just is one of the stranger ones. It's, it was I thought oh the 2001 production was actually pretty good about that because she's a she's obviously a very kind of vulnerable teenage girl who yeah. is in love with bookish, the handsome not the yeah. most attractive yeah. but she's into josh hartnett and yeah. so when he gives her any attention she's just she'll do anything for yeah. him right that that works yeah uh emilian in the play um I, I i'm trying to remember if i've seen a production of Othello now that we talk about it have we seen it in yeah i'm sure we have we might have seen it somewhere but anyways i i can't remember uh like on the page at least it's kind of iffy as to how yeah. she she kind of understands herself with them, but but let's talk about Iago a little bit, yeah. Because yeah. as a master manipulator, yes. he is he is pretty flawless, and I, well, not really, because <laughs> his first couple attempts at getting Othello in trouble, like when he goes to uh, yes. the Duke and is like, oh, someone's someone, someone stole, stole your something daughter from you, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, that is that fails. Like Othello just yeah. pleads his case, and yeah. Desdemona backs him up, and yeah. they're in love, and it goes on its way. But he doesn't give up. He's 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 absolutely dedicated to this yeah. to this course. Um, and his his position as like the only one who everybody in this play trusts is so central <laughs> to his being able to get away with it. Yeah. Um, and it's it's so bizarre to make to wonder like, well why does everyone trust Iago so much? And why did he change? Like he was obviously trustworthy. He'd served with Othello for some time. Well, Everyone else playing, he seems to know him. a long con, right? It seems like, yeah, it seems true. like we've captured him at a moment in time when he's had enough, right? He's yeah. been waiting for this promotion to Lieutenant. Yeah. Um, Lieutenant. Yeah. Well, in Canada, we'd say left, in the sure. Commonwealth. Yes. He's waiting, <laughs> but Cassio gets it uh, yeah. ahead of him. And so, and he, he says he's given his whole life. He gives this very impassioned speech to, uh, is it to Rodrigo? Yep. About, um, how, you know, old men serve their masters until they're not 
and then they, they're dismissed, right? And and that's what I am, right? He's so bitter about it. So it's obvious that he's older, an older person who's been harboring a lot of this resentment for a really long time. And we've caught him in a moment that is um, when that that feeling has kind of boiled over mm-hmm. for him a little bit because of the, I, I think, this inciting incident of, of being passed over for promotion. Um, but he is an indispensable part of the... Venetian military machinery, yeah, I guess, right? Yeah. As, uh, what do they call him? What's his official title? I don't remember now. But he's like the right-hand man, kind of, the the, the guy who, like like Hamilton to George Washington. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Sure. Not, not someone who's charging out into battle necessarily and or, or designing the battlefield, but, you know, his assistant. Yeah. Really. Yeah. And, um... And he's not a, he's, well, he would have made a great military strategist, probably. Seeing yeah, what we've seeing seen. How, yeah, based on Maybe how he Maybe Othello made, made a bad decision in having <laughs> Cassio promoted above him. But um, I think in that role, because he's been, whether it's through uh, just longevity, he's assumed a role at the right hand of the Venetian captain. Mm-hmm. And so that necessarily bestows some kind of status to him um whether it's earned or not right it's kind of like white men failing upward that's kind of what i feel like iago maybe he hasn't failed upward but he's just kind of yeah he maybe he doesn't deserve the position he's in but he has it now he's going to wield that power yeah to get what he wants i I agree i i feel like it's 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 the it's his ability to become the evil mastermind is is the result of a lifetime of work right. to an extent that we don't get on yeah. page or on screen or on stage uh, because it does rely on him having this trust of everyone around him. Yeah. And how many times does Othello say, "Oh, you're a trustworthy man, Iago," and it's very dramatic irony. Um, but I think I think what's more interesting is the fact that Iago knows he will be false. Um, and tells the audience this while telling everyone else except for Rodrigo that he's going to be true. And I think that that's a theme that comes up again and again is that Iago is like his one of his first speeches. Is he, he ends it with, I am not what I am. Yeah. Which is like, OK, well, wh- that's just a triple, quadruple, infinite negative, right? Like <laughs> you can never be what you are. Right. So um, when, when you exist in this kind of in between of him being uh truthful to rodrigo like why would rodrigo ever follow him after after being told that right Right. but he does um and the audience knows that he's pure evil Mm -hmm. um and everyone else on the stage uh is completely oblivious to him yeah and that that just is such an interesting position to be in because the audience can see him pulling literally every single string every single time and when one doesn't work like the initial one he just moves on to the next one yeah and uh it's it's yeah again it's 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 like Richard the Third villainy, yeah. but not reliant on swords. It is purely uh, emotional and psychological manipulation, and the way he does it to to Othello over, yeah. you know, from Act Two to Act Four when he's setting everything in motion, yeah. uh, is quite a masterclass. It's almost and a couple of essays that I read about this they. Um, compare him to the medieval stock character of Vice, mm. that he's almost like a stand-in for that, yeah. even though by the early modern 
theatrical period, we've moved away from that. Um, Shakespeare's audience would have understood him as a vice-like character. Who's literally, and that, that might be also why he doesn't have a clear motive for what he does. So in embodying all those evil vice-like characteristics, plus that dramatic irony of um, all the characters on stage thinking and saying over and over again how honest he is. Mm-hmm. Except for Amelia doesn't really... No, call that. No. Um, <laughs> yeah, again, she might know more, but yeah. yeah well, she's his wife, right? <laughs> but um, while the audience... So the dramatic irony for the audience is that we see him being evil. Um, and I guess we buy into that. We want to see him be evil because that's the how the play is yeah. going to be. You know, we're complicit in that in a sense. Um, but it's kind of like a given i guess that this is how it's just supposed to be right he he enters the play and tells us almost straight away that he's Mm -hmm. angry and this is what he's going to do about it and so we just kind of roll with it and accept it yeah there doesn't need to be a reason why he's you know lying or truthful or who with whom he is either of those things it's just we just accept that he when he's speaking He's, he's Yanis. He's two-faced. Yeah, yeah he's, he's, he's just... seeking his own ends and everything Absolutely. else doesn't matter. Yeah. Absolutely, right? Life's but a walking shadow. A poor player that struts and frets his hour upon the stage and then is heard no more. It is a tale told by an idiot. It's full of sound and fury. Signifying? Nothing. Um, it's interesting, too, that... Um, None of the characters are able to discern or see the truth of any of these situations <laughs> yes. at any point. Like Othello yeah. and Desdemona, I, I don't think we get a, a sense from the play of how long they've been seeing each other or how well they know each other. It doesn't yeah. seem like it's very long. Well, but she, she'd she been talking to him since she was sure. growing up, kind of. He'd been coming visits Yeah, the and they've, they've and had, like, conversations. Yeah. And he's much older than her. Yeah. But she would have conversations with him and everything like that. But um, they're only married for, like, three days, four yeah. days. Well, those, yeah. more than that, I guess, because... Well, kind of. But most of those times are spent, he spent... Uh, most of those, most of that time is Othello being super suspicious of Desdemona. He has no idea. He does no trust for her after yeah. like the first night. As soon as Iago mentions like, well, yeah. have you seen how she talks to Cassio? That's yeah. all it takes. And yeah. he's off to the jealousy races. Um, but yeah, so he has like zero ability to discern the truth. Um, and I think that'll come back to. But yeah, my point though was Sorry. that they don't know each other very well. It seems like if uh, yeah, they if yeah, they okay. knew each other better, he'd be able to understand or see the truth. But there's also this. I think the play is trying to point to, and we'll get to this when we talk about race. I think the the and jealousy too. How easy it is to prick Othello to jealousy is mm-hmm. the point. Yeah. So whether he was with her for ten years or fifty years or ten days, yeah. Um, the point is is that he's he's jealous by nature. I think. Yeah. So. He would he wouldn't be able to see the truth because his emotions would get in the way of that. Um, but there are other characters too, like um, well, I guess all the other characters are they're seeing things as they are, but the the and they're reacting to things as they are, but their motives are being twisted yeah. by the outside observer that is Iago and yeah. Othello. That, so they yeah. look at what Cassio is doing and they misinterpret deliberately. Iago misinterprets that for Othello's but, benefit so that he can yeah. for the so most that, part so that I the would, truth is obscured. I would say for the most part, except for 
Rodrigo doesn't really fall in that category. No, he, Rodrigo he can't knows understand. everything. He's the yeah, only but, one who but he can't understand that Iago's playing him. Uh, well, that too. I Amelia guess. is kind of in the same boat, actually, because she's like, yeah, I'll, I'll steal that handkerchief. What what could it possibly be? She doesn't really understand what Iago's up to. And I think Cassio's definitely falls in that of the category you described, though, where he is just existing and then he gets tossed around a little bit by Iago and winds up... Uh, in, in a situation where he kind of understands what's going on, him and Desdemona are, are both in this thing of like, no, I've just, Othello's just mad at me because I, I got drunk. Mm-hmm. That's that's the whole extent of mm-hmm. the problem between us. Not understanding that uh, Iago has poisoned Othello to the point where that is not the only problem right. that exists between them, right? So, well, that, But that's my point, is that the people who are watching all of these events... But, but some of them are active in Iago. it. Like my point is Rodrigo and Emilia are That's very fine. active. I'm talking about Othello and Iago who are observing these events. Iago is setting all these pieces into play. The people who are involved in that can't see the big scene. Othello ostensibly can see the big scene, but his ability to see the truth is obscured by Iago because he is that master manipulator. Yeah. So he is able to pull the wool over Othello's yeah. eyes and say, Cassio's talking about this handkerchief. Oh, because he because Desdemona gave it to him. Not realizing, Othello doesn't realize that that's not the case. But yeah. he sees the events that are playing out yes. in front of him. And it's like you can look at the same set of facts and come away with 14 different stories yeah that's what iago is playing with right and all the people who are part of that are too small they're only playing one role yeah like iago is just this puppet master who's got everybody doing what he wants them to do because they trust him and it comes back to that idea of why do they trust him because we've been told that they trust him and because he's trustworthy it's this circular logic that doesn't make any sense right well it doesn't make sense to the audience makes sense within the play but exactly right Well, even within the play, you're like, Iago, really? Like, the first time that Desdemona, Emilia, and Iago are on stage together, he acts like such a dick. No, I wouldn't trust somebody like that, even if he was my best friend's (laughs) husband, right? So it's almost like he's revealing part of his true self to the women. Yeah. And and they, they still end up kind of... Yeah. Depending on the on how it's produced and how it's how it's portrayed, you could have that first scene be like Desdemona and Amelia, how I read it, I was like, well, they're going to be wary of this guy, right? They're not going to. But they don't. But they don't. Totally don't. Yeah. Methinks thou art a general offense and every man should beat thee. I think thou was created for men to breathe themselves upon thee. Um, Let's talk about gender and sex. Sure. Briefly. Yeah. Um, Desdemona is shown as being untrustworthy because she has desire yeah she desires othello and there's something unnatural about her desire because he's not um white yeah well (laughs) yeah he's an outsider he's He's an outsider so she had to go to that outside of her realm to to sate that desire that she has and of course, everybody's like, well, you know women. Like, they're, she's just going to come back to her own kind. Like, that's how Iago pitches it yeah, to, to, to Othello. Like, yeah. she's going to eventually come back to someone like Cassio, who's more like her, once um, she's satisfied herself with you. Yeah. You know? It's like the the old trope of somebody going... Um, Going slumming, right? Yeah. Where you're like, I'm going to go to the, the wrong side of the tracks for the night, yeah. right? I'm going to play in that playground, and then I'm going to come back to the safety of my privileged existence. That's what they're they're pitching Desdemona as, as having done. Um, the fact that she has that desire is what 
makes her untrustworthy. Yeah. And um, it it's only sexual trust that is being played with here. Yes. Because Desdemona could she's she's literally only. It's sad to say because she is such a pure character, but she is a sex object, really. Mm-hmm. It's like her worth, even though Othello and Desdemona truly do love each other, and the scene where they reunite in uh, yeah. uh, on the shores of Cyprus yeah. is beautiful, and they're like so in love with each other, yeah. and like that's that's a great scene. Yeah. Um, so it's not like her her worth has diminished because, in, at least in Othello's eyes, because they're married, but her worth as a woman, obviously. If we go by Shakespearean yeah. standards, if you're a wife, you're a falling woman kind yeah. of because you've had sex, right? Yeah. So it's not, you're not pure and virginal anymore. Um, and that condemns her to being, because she has that desire for this unnatural, quote unquote, unnatural sex, she's seen as suspect. Yes. Right? By all, the, by all the white characters. By all the white characters. Well, at then, least by Iago, who well, poisons all the white characters. Well, exactly, yeah. And then that, and poisons Othello. Mm-hmm. And then that's... Uh, you can't really separate any of these things from each other. But, I mean, the reason Othello is susceptible to that is because he is an outsider. And he doesn't understand... Yeah. Or at least he doesn't believe he understands well enough, you know, Venetian women. Like, right. he, he doesn't really... Uh, He's not in a position to argue with Iago. You know, yeah. who's to say that Iago's wrong? Yeah. From his, his, his perspective, he's never, he's not a courtier. He's not a no. high he society He didn't grow man. up here. Yeah, he, he, you know. he, he was a soldier and he's yeah. been soldiering for a long time and that's his his profession. It's not, the fact that he's he's wound up in love with this woman who also loves him is kind of a happenstance and it's yeah. not something that he could have planned for. Yeah. So he, it, it, Othello's understanding of gender is basically non-existent in this play and yeah. that's what allows Iago to poison him so quickly yes. is that he he's ha- ignorant of all of these he's ignorant of, of of the I mean he has some understanding that you know you you're you know you're respectful to women or whatever and you you marry them and and what have you like he's aware of the high level uh societal constructs that that uh, are in play in this Christian Venetian world but he doesn't understand the intricacies and because he's an outsider and he can't access them uh, it is just easy for Iago to jump in and and punish him that way. And the other and th- that point, sorry, Lindsay, just to connect yeah. to yours yeah. uh, is is what creates this crossroads. The fact that Desdemona is stepping outside of her yes. uh, expected societal norms uh, and Othello is not aware of them at the same time yeah. means that they're they're basically in uncharted waters. And yeah. and that is what makes this this play such a tragedy is that these two characters have the opportunity to do something so positive to to you know take these two different worlds and marry them literally mm-hmm. uh together into into a loving positive relationship. They're and, just too, too but, ignorant of it or Well, no, it's just the fact that Iago steps in to exploit the the differences right. in understanding between those two. But if they were less naive, I think that they wouldn't have been exploited. I think that's the Well, this one is first of all Desmond is basically purely innocent. I mean, yes, except for lying, as we mentioned about about the the handkerchief when asked about it, um, she's really pretty pure, and she isn't really manipulated by Iago very much. Um, it really does fall on Othello, and it's it's Othello's position as an outsider and yeah. his ignorance of these things that Iago can can play with. Um, because I mean, when the the straightforward problem of mm-hmm. their marriage, I'm giving air quotes here. Yeah. The problem is dealt with in the first act. It's yeah. it's you take him to their father and you say, this this outsider has married your daughter. How without can your this, permission without your permission this is this is a, against yeah. the law literally yeah and 
Othello talks his way out of it because yeah. it's it, they get to that that point of mutual understanding of yes. love is the important thing and she made yeah. this choice willingly. Yeah. And so you, that that problem's already dealt with. So then it it falls on Iago as the villain to to create, a problem? To create that problem. Yeah. 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 It's too brutal. Um, when talking about gender and sex, it's really impossible to avoid um, the idea that Amelia and Bianca are both like there's three women in the play and they all play very different roles. You've got uh, Desdemona as the pure um, new wife, I mm-hmm. guess, like uh, almost virginal, almost yeah. virginal. Yeah. Right. You've got Amelia as the old wife who is, you know, I don't know how much older, but old enough to have been around the block a few times. Yeah. And then you've got Bianca, who's a sex worker. And uh, these three roles fall... I mean, with the unless you had a nun, those are really the main or yeah. a mother. Yeah. Those are the main roles that women had to play, yeah. right? And well, those are the three sexual roles. The three women, sexual yes. roles, yes, yeah, thank exactly, you. Yeah. Um, so it's their power is determined by how they respond to that role or how they embody that role. Mm-hmm. You know, someone who like uh, I, we don't know exactly. Aiden and I, we've already on this podcast been arguing about Amelia's role because I read that when I was reading the play, it sounded like Iago was constantly slandering Amelia for giving it away. She was always having sex with other people. I don't know whether she may have been a sex worker before or whether she was a brothel keeper or something before. I just got the sense that he's super insecure. He could be. He could <laughs> like be. Like he thought that Othello slept with her. Sure. And Othello has, but I think there's, there's no indication there's, of that. There are multiple references to her being a quote-unquote loose woman. Yeah, that's Iniago's not, mind. That, Iniago's, that's my problem. And, that's, and that, I yeah. think, is where the interpretation comes in. Because it also happens in, in the film we watched. There was a throwaway line where um, Hugo mentions to Emily that... Uh, she's giving it away. Yeah. That's yeah. what you're good at or something like that. Yeah. Um, so I think the connotation is there, at least from Miyago's perspective, that all women are, yes. are infidelitous. All, all women are Bianca, right? All like women he, are Bianca. He really views them that way, is yes. that they're all just, they can be bought. Uh, well, not necessarily bought, but that they that they use their sexual sexuality as currency yeah. to get what they want. Yes, yes. And that's how he views the relationship of Desdemona and Othello. It's he's projecting maybe his insecurities about his own wife mm-hmm. onto Othello, who doesn't have those worries. Yes. I mean, he even yeah, yeah until Iago plants <laughs> yeah. them there. But he even tells Othello, like, "I'm a jealous man. You don't want to be like me." Maybe it's the most truthful thing that Iago ever says. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he spurns. Othello to jealousy by planting this idea in his head that mm-hmm. that Desdemona, she's just like every other woman. Yeah. She's going to um, give you what she wants, give you what you want until she's done with you, and then she's going to use her sex to get somebody else, yeah. um, which is what Amelia does. And Bianca, um, ironically named white, <laughs> which is the yeah. purest color, yeah. um, is, you know, Cassie was in, seems to be in this kind of relationship with her she totally is enamored of the of yeah. Cassio um it's not like she's so clearly denigrated for the role that she plays because she gives it away yeah i mean it's literally she is the worst kind of woman in this play yeah which is 
Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just interesting that that a woman's sexual also the only one to survive. Uh, interestingly, <laughs> only only woman to survive. Yeah, um, yeah. The only power that these women have is through sex, withholding sex, having sex, giving it to their husbands yeah. or not, or giving it to other people, whether they've done that or not. Yeah. It's it's all like, it's just a woman's sexual identity is the only thing that defines her. Yeah. It, and that's yeah. sad. I mean, it's not it's it's kind of frustrating to see that um, as a modern woman. But yeah, even at the time, I think it's there seems to be a little bit of pushback when you have, like we said, Amelia giving this great speech at the end to um, all the men mm-hmm. um, saying like you, you, you literally could not see what was in front of your face. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly, and it is the inversion. The fact that Bianca does survive, Amelia is the truth teller, and Desdemona, who is the purest one of all, is murdered in cold blood. Yeah. is is an inversion of justice, right? And, right? and the play does come down pretty harsh on everyone involved, all mm-hmm. the men involved, um, and the women are who should be the one who should be shamed the most, Bianca gets away scot-free yeah the one who you know is a little bit more liable dies after doing this great truth telling yeah. and desdemona gets nothing she mm-hmm. just gets punished uh absolutely and begging for five more minutes to like clear her conscience yeah. and pray so yeah. that she yeah. can die with <laughs> it, dignity it, it is one of the most brutal it is it's the most brutal murder scene in in shakespeare Hugely. by far like yeah. it's so disgusting to like read yeah. and every every production is kind of rough uh, the the 2001 one was uh Harsh as well. And and harsh for other reasons that we'll get to when we yeah. talk about the film, that, because it sets up a, a parallel and some interesting, disgusting dynamics there <laughs> that we neither one of us agreed with. But, um, but yeah, there's just, uh, it's just, it's just a different, a different way. I, I, I guess I'll never get over how unfair it is that, that yeah. women are constantly put in these boxes and expected to act certain ways but but i i'm just saying like the i think the play is aware that that's a stupid kind of maybe conceit maybe yeah i think i think you might to be an right. extent to I an mean, extent like, it's not yeah it's not revolutionizing you know gender <laughs> politics no but no. it's uh it's not allowing it to be unquestioned i guess yeah and what i mean it's, it's similar again to measure for measure in the previous play where yes. uh there were also you know the whore the yes. virgin and all these 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 kind of stages Archetypal of characters. yeah and and arranging women yeah. to uh express them it, this one lacked the uh what's her name now the main female from that one the the virgin the priestess girl i can't remember her name but she was like she had this great kind of um, ability to vocalize and to work within the mm-hmm. system to her own benefit. Yeah. Whereas the, the women are all denied that here, uh, and it it ends in a tragedy as opposed to a comedy. So maybe that's that's the yeah uh, a key yeah. component of that. Nothing will come of nothing. Well, let's let's talk about race. Okay. Um, <laughs> prefacing this was obviously the fact that neither one of us are race experts, um, and we're both white, <laughs> privileged Canadians. Yeah. Um, who who don't necessarily see this affecting us in our day-to-day lives um, as much as other people might but but you can still recognize that this is a uh or it can be anyway a very problematic aspect to the play um depending on how it's performed and and obviously you read these things in context so we've set up a little bit of that context by talking about the moors and everything like that Mm -hmm. but um it does still require a little bit of mm, 
I don't know. Would would you say this is an easy play to read without understanding those? Like you, you almost need footnotes to understand well, how you, race. You know, you you can't really approach this blindly. Yeah. And if you approach it from the perspective of a modern reader, you're going to be. It's it's incredibly well, gonna, off-putting. Well, and, right? and you're gonna you're not gonna get a lot of it. Like, right. There, yeah. there are frankly quite a few times where I had to I had to look at the definition of the words they were using to realize oh yeah that's another slur for or a descriptor of of black people or something like yeah. that they've they, yeah. Shakespeare's dropped in there to show how racist and and uh you know uh, bigoted they they were at the time yeah. and the characters are in the in the context of the play and it's definitely it, it's shocking sometimes to see how brazenly these characters just drop these I mean, it's not it's not like reading Uncle Tom's Cabin or something like that, where the racism yeah, yeah, yeah. is pointed and well, it, um, it's it's damaging. just a product of its time, exactly. right? Like it is it is Shakespeare's era was racist in this way, as opposed yes, to the racism yeah. of you know Antebellum South. Like there, right. there are there's just differences, right? But yeah. but it is it is obviously an, an inherently very uh, racist play, and the way it. It functions within the play, though, is important because it does, again, it's really focusing on Othello as this other, yes. as this yeah. character who is outside of his element. He is outside of his the societal structure this, yes. yeah, that he's ready for and is ready for him. Mm-hmm. So he's in this, he's in this uh, in-between place and he's married into it now. Yeah. And he's not prepared for uh, all the challenges that someone like Yago can provide to him yeah. or challenge him with provide. Uh, you know, he's he's really not prepared to be challenged in all these ways. Right. And there's no fail safe, there's no protection for him either no. from some someone like Yago who can prey on those 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 lack that lack of knowledge of of the world that he's in. Yeah. Um and it's it's interesting that the the play itself. It, now I kind of missed this. It was really reliant on the uh, the essay, the Folger essay, um, to really point out to me that Iago is also kind of an outsider in the in the sense yeah. that he's not a noble. Right. Again, he's he's been a soldier his whole life. Yeah. Um, Worked and he's, his way up to being yeah. this high ranking person, but yeah. he's not. But, noble. And he's he's never become the general, and yeah. he's not a noble. So yeah. he's he is not also he's not Cassio, who mm-hmm. you know he berates for being. Uh, you know, well-schooled, but not a good soldier. Yeah. Um, he's also this kind of outsider in this, in this world of nobles and high marriages and stuff. Yes. He's married to Amelia, who's yeah. not a high woman, who's a servant to Desdemona. Yeah. So th- they, they are kind of paralleled in a, it's not equivalent in any way, but, no. but they are both uh, these outsiders. And, and the 2001 film actually did a, an okay-ish kind of job of this, where yeah. Josh Hartnett's character is really only there because... Uh, His dad's the coach of the basketball Yeah, which, which is the replacement for the battlefield of, yes. of the movie. Um, so, you know, he's poor. He doesn't have all these things, although he's still driving a Mercedes. I was a little confused about that. But... Uh, and then you have Mackay Pfeiffer as as Odin, who's literally like the only black character. It's brought up many times. It's it's very he's late there on, 90s. on like a basketball scholarship. Yeah, he's kind of really thing. good. Yeah, so yeah. they so brought him this up. This prep to school has prep brought school. him up. Yeah, to do this. So yeah, I mean, I I hadn't thought about it until we watched the film. How much of an outsider Iago could be yeah. portrayed as? Yeah. Um, but it's you're right. It's not at all equivalent because Iago does have the benefit of being a Venetian mm-hmm. by birth. Mm-hmm. At least it's assumed he is. Yeah, yeah, it seems like. Um, yeah. And so he has the, the the privilege of knowing how the society works. Whereas Othello, as good intentioned or well intentioned as he is, um, makes all of these missteps along the way, starting with 
starting this relationship with Desdemona. Mm -hmm. Desdemona herself also steps out of line, I guess, quote unquote, in order to start this relationship with Othello. And even though they are equals in that sense that they both, they, they love each other and they approach each other as, as equals in this loving relationship, um, in the broader society in which Desdemona lives, she's, she has also stepped outside of, Mm -hmm. of, so in a sense, she is also kind of an outsider as well. Um, and is punished quite harshly for it because she doesn't understand She's so naive about yeah. the relationships between men yeah. and women, husbands and wives, um, which is what a role that Amelia fills for her, kind of shepherding her yeah, through yeah, the first through days this, of her yeah. marriage. Yeah. Um, she doesn't understand how to deal with a jealous husband. No. And Amelia has to really set her down and say, no, you know, men are stomachs. They'll chew you up and spit you out, right? Yeah, like, yeah. that's just how they are. After he, she's already married to a guy. Like, this would have been helpful information to have before I went down the aisle. But <laughs> either way, it's, it's, um, it is, yeah, it is an interesting uh, play. And I, I, you're right. I think that's why having a reverse race cast is so much more difficult because you can't imagine a situation where a white person would be that much of an outsider. Yeah. Because at least not in our society where yeah, where well, not white in any privilege our exists. context. Yeah. No, yeah, it, it would have to be completely reimagined as like colonialism has never. Yeah, happened. it'd have to There's be set no... in the past, like the seventh century or something like that. Like someone from yeah, or, Western Europe goes to, or or it's like you could put it in a completely different racial context. Yeah. You know, you you could set it with. I'm sure that there are Asian societies in which this could yeah, exist yeah. with insider-outsider relations or yeah. um, indigenous societies in North America. Yeah. Or, you know, it could be very easily done in, like, a, a space alien context, <laughs> right? But you really need to work really, really hard to change the... the, the well, and to provide black, that context. white racial dynamic. Exactly. And that's... That's what's just built into the play yes. is, is all that racist language builds that in to the extent that mm-hmm. that you don't need to imagine what it's like because you have him as the black uh, ram tupping the white you, you know, like this, this kind of stuff is baked in to the language itself. Of, yes. It's baked into the plot. It's baked into all the characters yeah. that you can't just separate it that way. No. Um, so that's why I, I, I think I am interested in seeing a reverse race casting just to see how they deal with the language. Is it I, fully Shakespearean? Because how do you do that? Yeah. Some of the racial epithets that are used in this, yeah, I, I'm not going to repeat them here, but it's upsetting because, and then I don't see how you can do that with a white actor playing the role of Othello and being called these things. Yeah. You would have to change the language. Well, and that, so, then it's not Shakespeare anymore, which is it's fine. You, know, it's, right. you can do that with a different story, like the 2001 production where yeah. it's not Shakespearean language, yes. it's this, the, the story. The story is the same. You, yeah, you could you could adapt something like that. And, yeah. and you know, they, there, there might be a, a production out there somewhere well, like that. <laughs> There are there are, there are Hindi versions, yes. and uh, I think it was Malaysian as well. There was also an adaptation of, of this. So you know, seeing how other cultures do it could be really cool too. I I wonder about. Um, it just came into my mind. I was thinking about any situation where a white person would be the outsider, and and another Julia Stiles movie, Save the Last Dance. Well, the, which came out the same year. It did. Yes, but it's and it's not at all the same. If I remember no. it, it's just she borrows from hip hop culture in yeah. order to pass her yeah. Juilliard ballet yes. entrance exam or whatever. Um, I was, but we were going to get there, but yeah. But it's just yeah. it's like it's it's totally not the same no. thing. No, you could maybe hit some of the same story beats, but it's definitely yes. not going to be 
No, it will not have now, the same. Maybe if you had, you know, black and Korean in LA in the nineties. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna go straight right? to Rodney King. No, I'm, that, I'm just that's, saying. That's, that's I'm just, I'm just saying choice. No, no, no. I'm just saying. Like, I mean, there are other. It's just. It's just hard to imagine it being. No, you white. you can't. And 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 honestly, like even the even the comparison between Iago and Othello, it's it's actually indicative of more than anything that how not similar yes. their, their situations are because Iago has worked him his way up. He yeah. he has all the merit. I mean, yeah. so does Othello. He's he's become a general and he's a leader of of the army. Yeah. But he's not allowed entry into the to the higher echelons of of society. The fact that Iago was up for this promotion that went yes. to Cassio at all is indicative that he was in fact uh you know available and he can continue working his way up through Venetian society just like Shakespeare yeah. himself did because he was white and he had this yes. this ability to, to participate in the full range of activities that yeah and othello never does and and it's because he's black it's just straight up racism like there's there's no way to to get past that being the defining uh of his character yeah and the situation because even though othello is the captain he's still so put down yeah exactly by everybody and and so yeah iago's well um, yeah and even like the the other characters when they're talking about they're like well yeah, we hate him because he's he's a Moor, but he's such a good general. We just got to yeah. get him go. To, he has to go fight the Turks again because they've yeah. got a big navy coming. Like right. that's all they care about him yeah. for is his 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 service. Yeah, to the- and he doesn't seem to mind that, which doesn't make it okay. Yeah. But he's like, you know, it's he's he's quietly accepting of the role that he's been put in because he feels like he's. I don't know, blessed to be there. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know yeah, much his, about... Yeah. For a main character, you really don't get a lot of, of what's going on in Othello's Beyond mind. Beyond his jealousy, yeah. But Iago, I think... Um, and maybe we'll talk about this when we do our jealousy episode next week. But um, his his jealousy is so funny in the context of our modern day conversation about race because it's often said... And I'm going to misquote this, but it's like... When equality feels like oppression, you've never faced oppression before. But Iago feels so oppressed, right? Because, but the playing field is so level for him. Yeah. He's just not good enough. (laughs) Or he's so good in his current job that Othello doesn't want to move him up, up, right? And and he views that as such a slight that he's going to ruin this man's life over it. And it, it does... I mean, let's we, we can pivot into jealousy now because I think that's where we're headed anyway. Mm-hmm. That um, we don't like we don't know exactly why Iago is so jealous and so upset about what's going on, but you've got to imagine that some of it has to be just pure racist. Yeah, I'm it, just I'm just such a racist asshole. Yeah. I can't stand that this man, this black man, this Moor is, yeah. you know, doing anything. Yeah. So it is absolutely like the 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 best. I, I can't remember when I read this. It was probably in university. I think I remember reading an essay about it. But it was it was basically saying the fact that Iago gives so many different reasons for yeah. why he wants to get Othello, it's pretty obvious that the one that he doesn't talk about, but it comes out in all of his other speeches and mm-hmm. all of the way he talks about Othello to other characters, especially yeah. Rodrigo. Yes. It's just racism. Like yeah. that that if you strip away everything yes. else, like he contradicts himself so many times. Oh, that, he slept with my wife yeah. and he didn't give me this promotion. No, I'm not racist though. Not <laughs> yeah, to yeah. be racist. But exactly. this black ground tupping your white you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that's like, a problem. Like, it's, yeah, it, it, I it's think you're totally, telling. you're totally right that there, there's, if it's not the big, if it, it's, it's not the only reason, but it certainly is more than half the reason why he hates Othello yeah, so much. Absolutely. And, and that's, that's, it's, it's really telling for him the fact that he, he, uh, 
he pounces on on all these other yes. reasons um, to deflect to deflect or, exactly or, and and yeah. then uh interestingly othello kind of on the other side um he has no reason to really be jealous um yeah and and it's purely like Othello or Iago is just pouring his jealousy straight into yes. Othello. It's like he's just this empty, kind of innocent receptacle Vessel for jealousy. for jealousy. Yeah, it's, it's such a bizarre kind of situation. <laughs> Fill me up, situation. cap on. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Um, and that is one of the big questions is like, why is Othello so easily swayed? And and I think, honestly, it comes down to the Shakespearean society's racism. Yeah. Because this is how they, they imagined... A black man yeah, being exactly. hot-blooded and jealous. Yeah. It's how, I mean, continuing on to this day, there is so much um, distrust of black men yeah. just existing in the world yeah. because they're this, that. They're, we're, there's well, so yeah. much misunderstanding. Uh, it's not. It's not even misunderstanding. It's it's it's, it's just racism. racism. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so and it's because we've othered them. Yeah. And so. Uh, when police stop black men disproportionately to white men, it's the same thing as what the people in this play have done to Othello. Othello yeah. Is they've put this this <laughs> It's a nice tidy bow on on four hundred years of racism. No, but, but I yeah, mean it's true. It's, it's indicative just, of yeah. this larger societal thing that yeah. hasn't changed really. Yeah. Again, this is this is just like measure for measure and, and yes, sex. It's exactly. it's the racism still there and it's just shifted and changed a little just bit. Different but flavor of different racism. Different flavor. Now. Yeah. Yeah. Um but yeah, it's I think it's purely uh, a commentary on how people expect a character like they don't expect Othello to be even-handed and even-tempered and to be able to see we through do get yeah, that yeah. version of him yes. in the first act yes and partly in the second act but the the slightest mention tips him over the edge yeah. and that's because that's how we expect how yeah. Shakespeare's audience expected him to well, be. And that's what made the 2001 film interesting. Yeah, let's talk a about bit. this 2001 so, film. Because it is, I mean, it's it. first up, it's a movie that would not be made. No. The, at least the, the script it. would have to be very, uh, changed quite a bit. It's, it's 20 years old. And I, I, I guess because we've been living through it, I feel like race relations have gotten a lot better. Or that maybe that, <laughs> that they weren't as bad as they, like, in my mind, I remember the 90s and 2000s being like, you know, it felt like we were moving beyond race. You know, I was 12 yeah. or 15. <laughs> but still, looking back at it, I'm like, holy Hannah, that's a racist thing. that they Like, the fact that the, the dunk competition logo in the play or in the film is like confederate a confederate flag, flag yeah. but it's a black and white confederate flag so it's like oh yes we're it's, embracing it's the, it's the, the blackness new... <laughs> of the confederate self like holy shit are you kidding me right yeah. now yeah and i so mean like that shit like that, that yeah, really yeah. The, or the whole conversation that that sorry yeah. desi and odin have about uh using the n-word yeah. using the n-word she's like well why don't i get to use it my people invented it it's like fuck me are you kidding <laughs> i mean it was kind of like wow. played for jokes but yeah, i hope it was, so well, but it also plays into a conversation about coming into the later. big house yeah. let's role play about the yeah. slave coming to the master's big yeah. house like holy there, there fuck was, i mean it's set in south tr- carolina but <laughs> 
still. Yes. Jesus. It was, I mean, yeah, it's very of the yes. late 90s, early 2000s. It was actually filmed in 1999. I, I was oh, just about okay. the, the, the movie a little bit earlier. So I, I don't think it was time to come out with Save the Last Dance. But, you know, she's yeah. she's breaking these interracial yeah, uh, lines, you know, uh, motifs or whatever, uh, a lot in this 2001 era. But, like, yeah, the, the film itself is just such a product of that time. And in that way, it's kind of interesting because yes. it, it does still strike again there's it and that 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 piece about the expectation of the jealous mm-hmm. horny black man come mm-hmm. to steal the white women you know yeah. that that's still the 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 image that's with us from Othello's time to, to 2001 at least for sure yeah. um and you know to some degree it's still obviously going to be around because there's still that racist connotation yes. floating in the air yeah. and uh so we, you know it's the the movie tries to challenge that in a very 2001 way. Yes. Um, but it, it just, it feels awkward to us now because of course. some of these things just, just, I well, think. Well, it didn't work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. None of that stuff of put work. us in a, on a path towards a truly post-racist uh, Western world. We are very far away from that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think a lot of people were like you were in 15, Lindsay. Like, we're, things are getting better. This yeah, is going to Well, but I was, also, I was also a white woman living in Canada, <laughs> exactly. very privileged. So I, I yeah. didn't, I wasn't woke yet, I yeah. guess. <laughs> but now that my eyes have been opened, I can see this for what it is. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, and and some other things that, that worked well for the movie, I thought, were um, weirdly the fact that it's set on like a a prep school campus basketball team yes it's like a marriage of elite whiteness and this black urban sport yeah right that that don't seem to mesh like i wouldn't expect a prep school to have a really high achieving basketball team maybe a football team or a polo club (laughs) i don't know yeah, a crew. Yeah, yeah, like, exactly. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. that's what I expect a bunch of white guys to be really good at. Yeah. Especially when Odin is the only black guy on your team. Yeah. But either way, um, setting it on the basketball court, very '90s decision. Yes, absolutely. Um, but it it works because it is kind of like a 21st century battlefield. Like using the sports metaphors yeah. works really well. Having teammates jockeying for position. Uh, Josh Hartnett's character Hugo not getting to be co-MVP and instead it's Andrew Keegan's character which is hilarious to me Um, (laughs) speak about the 90s yeah right Um, so yeah I mean I think that there's and and then having having the instead of it being solely black white it's also um, classes too right you've got um, Julia Stiles' father is the dean Josh Hartnett's dad is the coach um, Roger, the Rodrigo character's dad, is like the owner of the prep school or something. Or something. Or, He's yeah. like, there's libraries named after him. Yeah. So I mean, there's there's certainly it's South Carolina, right? Yeah. So there's a lot of this kind of new money and or old money, old yeah, money, yeah. yeah, living in this antebellum, yeah, or post antebellum, yeah, southern, you know. Um, so it works really well and I think that's something that I appreciated about the play yeah I, I'd say it for me personally I think it worked better than I expected yes. I went yeah, in expecting definitely. a lot of cringe yeah. there's definitely some cringe yes. but there, it's not nearly as bad as you might expect and even like the conversation about the n-word that that yes. feels super awkward because they're in bed together yeah. and uh and it's just it's it's kind of strange but it comes back later because josh hartnett uses the n-word against uh odin it's yes. like it's like the final 
stab in the back from yeah. this Desdemona that he's that Iago Hugo has created yeah. is of this cheating uh, white woman who you know is just using uh, Odin for for sex and then she'll move on. Uh, you know, she says that he she called Odin the N word. Yeah, and it's like, and he in like the tear, like he like yeah. Mackay Pfeiffer sold that scene really well because yeah. I was like that hurt because like they they talked about it and they had this yeah. you had the sense that she kind of didn't understand. Uh, like she she's, respected it, but though. she respected his decision to say no. You can't. You, <laughs> I can. Very, you can. Yes, yeah. it was. It was a very simple '90s kind of construction, but it it worked. And then to have him stab him with have uh, Hugo stab Odin with this word yeah. is just it was painful, and yeah. it it was a really good scene that way. It, and it, it worked. I think the other thing that worked really well was the final scene where Odin. Um, after Desdemona's been killed, which is a brutal scene, Desi, yeah. uh, it's brutal scene, um, and then um, Emilia's shot by Hugo. Yeah. Uh, we know already that yeah, that he's already Roger killed Roger. Is, Roger, is dead. Roger we're not hundred percent sure about the Cassio character, yeah. Michael Cassio. He got shot in the leg, but but it seems like he might have survived, yeah. just like in the play. But we yeah. don't hear from him again. Um, uh, so then Odin turns the gun on himself as the police come in and. Um, and he gives this big speech about, which works really well, that you, ex- this is what you expected of me. Yeah. And I'm falling into this trap. But when I'm dead and gone, you have to tell the story that it was this privileged white guy who who led me here. Yeah. And then he shoots himself. And I thought that tied it up. I mean, in, in a very ham-fisted, yeah. m- like 90s movie kind yeah. of way that yeah. you're going to hit people over the head with the theme of this story. Yeah. Um, but it also seems to... Uh, it works and it doesn't work in the sense that I like what it does to um, Odin's character, mm-hmm. but I don't like how it how that scene kind of redeems Hugo's character in a sense because we find out that his monologue, the the voiceover at the beginning, is actually the voiceover he has yeah, at the end, yeah. which means that he's kind of it, it's like the actions have shocked him to a sense. He's a, he's the only one left standing at the end who's arrested and dragged away in, yeah. in handcuffs, but you almost get the sense that he's going to repent for this and well, feel, he feels bad for what he's done yeah like the whole yeah his character is they tried to complicate it and again this is what we were talking about mm-hmm. with iago's character at the very beginning of this long episode now uh is that this iago's character is great because you don't know what yeah. what his motivations are and hugo in the 2001 film is you get a lot of that you get yeah. that his dad doesn't treat him as well like mm-hmm. his dad barely treats him he calls uh odin his real son you know and like yeah. right in front of uh hugo's face like they they really build up the the uh need for hugo to be evil yeah um and yeah it and it totally undercuts it he says the same thing as he says in the play like i'm not saying anything after this and right. then he shuts up but then he gets this monologue at the yeah. end this voiceover thing so it really kind of undercuts even that yeah. it really it tries to humanize Hugo in a way that the play is amazing for not humanizing Iago. Yes. Yes. And it it, the, it goes the other way and that doesn't really work because mm-hmm. Odin should be the the humanized character and Desdemona or Desi. They should be the ones that are that are the focus of yeah. of moralizing. But it is kind of hard when Hugo slash Iago is in almost every scene. He is driving in the plot. He's kind of like I think we expect more uh personalization and characterization yes. from our our villains if they're going to be in every scene yeah. like that in, in a yeah. modern movie so it kind of but it it does sour it a little bit for me so aside from the uh more cringy racist things that we saw yes. um th- can we talk about the rape scene yeah this is a really 
awful. Well, that's part of the racist. I think thing too. I think like it is it too was, yeah. because it does not happen in the play. No. Othello and Desdemona in the play have a up until the moment that that Othello turns on Desdemona, their relationship seems to be built on trust and love, and. Desi and Odin have that as well in the movie until there's this one scene where he's he's driven mad by jealousy while they're on some like vacation Road weekend trip. away yeah, together yeah. and and he sexually assaults her and and she doesn't it's never dealt with in yeah. a way that that a modern yeah. film I think would yeah um at least a decent well, modern film it, would it deals with it from his point of view sure. like it shows how deep he's descending into yes. jealousy but you but never get anything for Desi and, yeah. and she seems to almost just forget about it like you even said it when we were watching like oh she has to drive him home the next day like Jesus <laughs> it was just like right? it just happened it just, and it's uh, like I don't know if that's a commentary on on um, domestic assault or, was, or <laughs> sexual assault <laughs> like, in a relationship that yeah. that's how that happens but I wish that that had been explored more and I also I also wish it hadn't happened because well, it does to happen. Like, it didn't need to happen exactly and i think it it just again allows the film to play odin as that he falls into yeah. the stereotype yeah the un the uncorrect the incorrect stereotype well the, the uncritical stereotype yes. yeah, yeah. It, it is it's just playing in like yeah well if 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 a black guy thinks you're cheating on him he's gonna rape you like yeah what the fuck that like it, it, it's not sense. necessary and it, it's not necessary for his character like no. we see him going down this this path towards obsession anyways and, and it, what's brilliant about his descent into it, it's not it he has that inkling that desi is cheating on yeah. him before iago says anything yeah. which makes it in, it makes it more believable that, yeah. that he would believe Iago or mm-hmm. Hugo, um, much more than in the play where it's just, yeah, oh, just Iago said happening. that, so now I'm going to believe it, yeah. right? If he already has that inkling and there's like little hints in his mind that he sees being dropped, yeah. um, it makes it a more believable descent. Um but yeah, the, it, you don't need a sexual assault scene yeah. in this film. And it was super uncomfortable. Like it was... It was amongst one of the worst scenes, hardest scenes to watch that I've ever watched yeah. in a film. Yeah. Like, I couldn't watch it. I had to look at my phone. I was like, I'm done. I can't do this. Very triggering. Yeah. So, so it just completely unnecessary. I don't know why that was included. Because yeah. it's not part of the play. And it doesn't serve the story that they're trying to tell. If you believe the end where Odin is like, this is how you want to paint me, but this is not the true story. Yeah. This is not who I am. Yeah. But it is who you are because this is what you did. I mean, it is still he's he's been poisoned already about Cassio at this point or Michael or whatever yeah. his name is. But but yeah, I, I but agree. It it's it's not necessary, and yeah. it, it does hinder the. It definitely feels again very nineties uh, gratuitous. Yeah, and yeah. just and not not questioning enough of that those stereotypes like yeah. it plays into the stereotype i don't think it meant to it th- at all i don't think anybody reading the script in the 90s would have been like oh should should we have this like yeah i don't they, know what that was all about because like, i think why? it was more like trying to humanize uh odin maybe or something like that but it it doesn't it doesn't or work just for shock value yeah i mean there maybe. were a lot of sex scenes yeah. i think it was just let's get these gorgeous stars naked yeah, yeah but suppose. then have them violate one another yeah, or have him violate her it's just yeah it, it was odd it, it hit different yeah and i was not a fan countryman ah! hand me your ears i come to bury caesar not to praise him 
And just to quickly jump back to a point we, we kind of forgot to mention, uh, it's one of the more interesting explanations or potential explanations of yeah. why Iago uh, hates Thel so much. He's actually in love with him, is one that yeah. has been posited many times uh, to explain his his focus and preoccupation with Othello. Yeah. Uh, and so his jealousy isn't so much about a job or his wife, it's about the fact that he's not married yeah. to... Or can't uh, be with him. Can't be with Othello. I did find it interesting that um, Iago mentions... this the, the scene where he talks about Cassio and him sharing a bed together, which I think would be very common on a battlefield. Yeah, of the course, two of them yeah. would totally. Yeah. But the way that he describes, oh yes, he threw his leg over mine and he kissed me. It seems like yeah. if you're going to make something up to make it so overtly sexual... Yeah suggests to me that this is something that's lived in his mind for a while so it was not a stretch for me to say oh yeah Iago's totally in love with with Othello and that's why he's upset that Desdemona took him from him and Cassio has taken him from him from me or whatever (laughs) so it's um yeah I I think that might explain some of the motivation it certainly does match with if if Iago is sexually jealous of Cassio Desdemona, Desdemona everyone yeah his wife. I mean, it seems like his jealousy is rooted in sex most of the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, it definitely makes sense. Like, it totally does. Yeah. Like, I think that if you had to pick maybe one big theme that could come out of it, I'm glad you brought that back up because we totally forgot to mention it at all because it's not mentioned in the play. It's not something no, that's it's overt, over, but it's something yeah. you could definitely read into. Yeah. 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 If I longer stay, we shall begin our ancient bickerings. So this week's ancient bickerings... I always say week. It's an episode. This yeah. episode's Ancient Bickerings is uh, a kind of a, a simple question, but I, I think we're going to have two different answers. Cause I think, I think there's only the two answers. Well, <laughs> I, I've come up with a third. Uh, uh, oh, so okay. the question is, uh, who is the most jealous character in the play? And Lindsay, I'll let you go first. And then I will choose either the other one or the third one. <laughs> so you, you'll argue any of them right now? Yeah, yeah. I think I'm okay. I'll take go any of them. I think Iago is the most jealous character. I think Iago is, um, as you mentioned, Othello is just a vessel. If you're doing a strict reading of the play, yeah, um, he is just a vessel for Iago's poison, the the, the poison of jealousy. Yeah. So um, Iago fills the poison into Othello's ear, and then Othello becomes jealous. But I think it comes from the Fountainhead, which is not a book by Ayn Rand. Um, in addition to that, it's yeah, Iago. Yeah. I think that I think it's just he is the the prime mover in this play, and since everything revolves around jealousy, he has to be the most jealous character. That's a that's a very uh, succinct and uh, well well made point, Lindsay. But I'm going to go with the third option, oh, uh, which is that okay. no one sees coming because it's probably not real. But Roderigo, I think, is oh. actually the most jealous. Oh, okay, um, all right. He he enables the entire most of the play to happen Mm -hmm. i mean he gives iago the money he needs he uh starts off trying to get uh othello you know arrested for marrying desdemona uh he he also desires something he desires desdemona Mm -hmm. uh he's jealous of everybody who does it and he's willing to go along with all of iago's plans including attempting to kill cassio Hmm. like what level of vengeance does it take even iago the mastermind himself doesn't really want to kill Othello. Yeah. He wants to, he wants to hurt Othello more than murder probably. Uh, but he's not willing to kill for it until huh. it's a direct threat to him. Mm-hmm. Rodrigo 
does. He he's he's willing he's like, to I'll take that. I'll fucking kill him. Yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, okay. You tell you say that'll work. I'll do it. I, I mean, you've lied to me so far, obviously, many times. But damn it, I'm gonna go do it anyways. I mean, in some ways, if you look at Rodrigo as a realistic character, which I don't think the play wants you to. I think he yeah. wants to be a just a, a plot device. But if you looked at him that way, what is it? What kind of jealousy does yes. it take in order to go along with Iago Dang. all this way to get there? That's a good answer. I never would have thought of Rodrigo, but you're absolutely right. I think I think Iago is certainly the most evil character, but I think uh, because he he's the one who orchestrates everything. But Rodrigo, like, wow! For the yeah. record, you you are right. You win this debate. Oh absolutely, no, I think you win. <laughs> I, I win think for the Rodrigo, novelty of the no, but I think points. that's that's a good point because again, like. And I and I just I see Rodrigo in a different light too because you know he seems kind of like an incel character who's just very yes. like whining and crying and Where's I'm the good guy. Where's yeah. my I did all the things right and I didn't get the girl. And he's just drunk all the time and <laughs> crying about this. So I I just I think he's kind of a piss baby, but I think that doesn't preclude the fact that he could also be like the supremely jealous motivating factor yeah. or or whatever yeah. in this play yeah that's, that's a fair. good answer okay i'll take it all right you you can take the w <laughs> i've won the last few haven't i you win most of my let's let's be honest <laughs> i don't even keep track at this point Aww. there's no point to be or not to be that is the question so, Aiden, what's up next on the big stocket? Uh, well, next we have our episode all about jealousy and infidelity. We haven't quite nailed down exactly what that one's going to look like. Yeah. Um, and just again, a heads up, uh, that one might be coming out a little later. Uh, we are moving to do some house renovations soon, so uh, it might be delayed a week or two. If you're um, listening to this in the future, yeah, if you're yeah, a time yeah. traveler, then then this will come out. You'll just go to we're the next all episode. Time and travelers, Lindsay, yes, we're all moving true. forward. Unless um, we're also moving back. After this is All's Well That Ends Well? Yes, indeed. Yes. Um, which should be fun. And then we also, then after that, we have uh, probably, uh, we want to look at the 90s Shakespeare. Yes. I, I think our hope was we we were, when we planned this, obviously, it was long before COVID. Yes. And we wanted to bring our friends in, all of our millennial friends who watched these movies growing up. The 90s, the Baz Luhrmann, Romeo and Juliet, and the O, and the Hamlet, yeah. and and all these, with these great stars from the 90s. I don't know if that's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, it might just it be, might be a us. virtual one. Yeah, Maybe we, we can might, throw we some together. Some people, yeah, but we'll I think see. I think that would be a fun a fun one because the films are so accessible and um and and a lot of them are really good. Yeah. Like I was surprised at how well produced O was. Yeah. With the criticisms I had of it aside. Yeah. Um and other ones that we've mentioned already, Hamlet, we enjoyed Romeo and Juliet. Um, 10 Things I Hate About You, even. Not, yeah, it was not, not bad. terrible, yeah. right? Yeah, there was so, and, and I guess the phenomenon of why these these plays became so popular in the 90s again was it because we were at the 400th anniversary of a lot of these plays first being performed? Was it because it was the new millennium and people were like, let's reach back into well, the past and yeah. find pop culture? Yeah that we can revive well, that's what we're this. gonna look we're into we're gonna look at that i, I think, think it'd be inter- it's an, an interesting, interesting topic. topic definitely jinx again you started it. the episode with a jinx I well know. i did and then we finished with the jinx high five is that is that episode jinx is that like jinx squared
You can find all our episodes on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast fix. If you want to tell us what you think of Shakespeare, his plays, poems, or any of the topics we discuss, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us on Twitter, that's at the Bixpod, on Facebook at facebook.com slash thebixpod, or by email at thebixpod at gmail.com. That's our cue to exit.